from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. Until the COVID situation gets better, it's going to be tough to create jobs, especially in leisure and hospitality. But after the vaccine rollout picks up some speed, you know, if you look out three, four months, um, we should start to see a better uh, job picture. And then remember, you know, since we're likely to get more stimulus, that strengthens the bridge to get through this period. So we don't think the market's going to be too worried about, you know, a few soft months of job gains or job losses. Uh, it's really still about uh, the reopening, which it appears is, is coming fairly soon. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest LPL Market Signals. Ryan Dietrich here, Jeff Bookbinder on the line. Jeff, what a week last week. We're going to get into all of that. Let's hope uh, things are a little calmer and move smoother this week and going forward in general. Um, but um, let's see here. I mean, it looks like your Chiefs are set to battle an Ohio team coming up next week. Am I correct in that? Yeah, Chiefs-Browns uh, next Sunday. That That should be fun. Um, as you know, Ryan Browns haven't been in a game like this for a while. So I bet, uh, Cleveland is pretty psyched and, you know, I know they're probably especially, uh, pleased to beat the Steelers, the hated Steelers. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a Bengals fan, but yeah, Steelers always usually win. So you kind of get tired of that and, um, you know, the good luck to, uh, to all those different teams. We've got Ohio state, my, my school, we'll talk a little more about that here in, in a little bit. Um, but you know, Jeff, there's just so much to get into. So let's just, let's just kind of dive right in. I mean, first things first, obviously just the tragedy happened last week at the Capitol building. Um, you know, we'll talk about that, but we're also going to focus on the Georgia election, which was, I guess you could say a little bit of an upset, at least what we were expecting a couple months ago, maybe not right ahead of the election. Um, yields. Yields quietly and all the news that we had, the big news we had last week, yields, 10-year yield broke above 1%. Doesn't sound like much, but it's the highest it's been since before the coronavirus um, you know, shut down of the global economy. So positives there. And the fourth thing we're going to talk about is the jobs number. Uh, the jobs number came in weak, weaker than expected, yet there are some positives on the economic front. We'll kind of dive into all of that. Um, Jeff, so the question I guess now is now what? Right. Let's not talk about Georgia yet. Let's just talk really about you know the incident at the Capitol and the tragedy there. And um, you know what, what what was your kind of take? I mean, for, this is again market signals, so we're not you know political strategists. We, we can play that a little bit, but kind of what do you think the impacts from the market and the economic point of view of last week at the Capitol building? What um what what that can be? Yeah, I mean, folks may think this is a little Pollyannish, but I'm I'm hopeful that we'll actually see a little more of a spirit of bipartisanship that comes out of this. Um, you know, of course it's terrible and, you know, we're, we're market strategists, not political strategists. And so we won't get into all, all of that, you know, whether, right. you know, president Trump is impeached or censored or whether he can run again in 24, that, that's not relevant to markets, but, you know, whether Republicans and Democrats can get along and actually get a stimulus package passed and, and facilitate the rollout of the vaccine, contain COVID in the near term. These are the important issues. And, um, you know, on the margin, our bias is that, sure, we, we may move into more of a spirit of, of, of compromise. Not still very divisive, <laughs> don't get me wrong, but incrementally, uh, maybe this helps um, smooth out the path to policy here uh, after inauguration. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, you think about this, the tragedy that happened last week. And at this point, we don't want anything like that to happen anytime soon 
or probably ever again. And as divided as our country is and Washington is, you know, don't forget the day that this all happened, the stock market was higher, right? The very That was last Wednesday. The very next day on Thursday, stocks really did well. And everyone's seen these terrible um, headlines and terrible images wondering how is this possible? As we talked about many times in the summer, the stock market's a very, very cold um, being, right? It doesn't care about our feelings. It doesn't really care about a lot of things, only what does the future hold? And in all likelihood, um, you know, the, the, this devastation and the, and the terrible things that happened on Wednesday probably mean both sides are going to work together a little bit more than they maybe once would have. And, and we're going to talk about Georgia uh, soon, but I think that's one of the potential, like you said, Pollyanna, but one of the more, not many positives, but one of the positive takeaways is maybe Washington, again, can work together, which is kind of a good segue, I guess, Jeff, to Georgia. The election results, uh, the two seats that were up for the Senate, the Republicans had a 50 to 48 lead in the Senate. And sure enough, the Democrats won both of those seats. Now, two months ago, that was not expected by very many people at all, right? Most people didn't see that. But if you follow the odds and some of the things that we talked about on last week's market signals, there were some, some signs that absolutely the Democrats could take both seats. And that's exactly what happened. So now we have a 50-50 Senate with the tiebreaker going to the vice president. So the Senate uh, is now controlled by the Democrats. But again, it's a very, very tight, uh, tight race. I mean, Jeff, in this week's weekly market commentary, I've got it in front of me, make sure I read it correctly. We call it market policy projections for 2021. There's a lot of different things. I think we're going to spend a good amount of time in today's podcast talking about, again, these results from Georgia. Um, you know, I want to, before I do, I want to point out one thing. I've got it here in front of me somewhere. Give me one second. All right. So according to, um, Data President Trump was the first president to lose the White House, the Senate, and the House all in the same election since Hoover. Um, this is the one, going to be the upcoming 117th session of Congress. It'll be the 21st time Democrats have total power. Um, and, and it'll be the first time, if you think about it, this is amazing, I thought, since, since according to our friend Sam Stovall um, at CFRA, Sam noted that there have been eight Democratic presidents in the first year, the first year of a new president, Democratic president, all eight times, previous eight times, came into office, took the Senate, and took the uh, the House. So this is kind of what you tend to see when you have a new Democratic president to have the Senate and the House come along with them. Also, according to Sam, he noted that the S&P, I'm sorry, the Dow, he used the Dow. The Dow was higher six out of eight times that first year with a new Democratic president, also again with power in the House and the Senate. Uh, Wilson and Carter were the only two times that saw stocks actually go lower the first year with a new Democratic president. Um, so Jeff, let's talk policy. You know, what were some of the major takeaways you think, we've talked a lot about policy lately, but what are some of the major takeaways with the now, um, you know, I guess call it blue, I, some people get mad when you say blue wave, because blue wave infers, you know, maybe a major, major shift, but there's no doubt about it. There's a lot of blue when you look in Washington in terms of the Senate, the House, and the um, presidency. What are your takeaways from last week's surprise in Georgia? Yeah, I think people start with taxes, mm -hmm. right? It's probably the most uh, impactful market event uh, that we may get as a result of the Democrats taking this razor-thin majority in the Senate. Uh, you know, because it's a razor-thin majority, you're probably not going to see all of the proposed tax increases. So we had speculated that corporate profits could be hit by 10% if Biden got all the proposed uh, tax increases. Now, maybe we're looking at something roughly half that, 
Uh, it's also important to keep in mind that these tax increases are probably not going to come in right away. You know, two reasons. You know, number one, the economy, of course, is still struggling with the pandemic in the short term. And two, it, it just takes time to do tax reform. <clears throat> in fact, our friends at Bespoke um, had a stat um, uh, over the weekend. It on average takes about 15 months after a new president takes office to get tax reform done. So um, it certainly was similar to that when President Trump, Trump took office. Um, so we'll see how long that takes. Um, you know, the other, um, I mean, the fiscal stimulus in the short term, you know, that's um, certainly important for markets and that's why yields are up so much, or at least the main reason why. Odds are much higher that we'll get that with, um, you know, the Democratic win in the Senate. <clears throat> and then um, we'll probably get an infrastructure package at some point. So I think those are the biggest um, policy implications here. And it, what's interesting to me is the timing, right? We're probably going to get the spending first and the tax increases later. So in the near term, that's supportive of markets. But down the road, uh, markets will probably get a little bit more jittery around the tax increases. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I don't think I saw that from Bespoke, that the 15 months for tax reform to officially take place. And that's that makes sense, though. It's not going to happen overnight. We said on the podcast a week ago, you know, 2022 could be the, the, as soon as the potentially any tax changes could take place. Um, you mentioned Bespoke. Maybe let's, um, well, no, before I go there, before I go there, uh, as of now, and again, we mentioned this in our weekly market commentary, the Democrats have an 11-seat um, advantage in the Senate right now. And you go back in history, uh, there was a 13-seat advantage from 1943 to 1945 during World War II. And then there was only a three-seat advantage from 1917 to 1919, obviously the last time we had a pandemic. So this is an extremely, extremely uh, thin margin. And then again, <laughs> the, the Senate's 50-50 and the House is only up by 11. So clearly it's, uh, things are, are quite close. And again, gridlock is good, they tell us. Um, yet again, our friends at Bespoke, maybe let's go, then I'll go to the next chart now where we can talk a little bit about potential market returns here. Our friends at Bespoke um, found when you have the, the 20 previous times, a Democratic president with control of Congress, the Dow's up a very respectable 7.8% on average, higher about two out of every three times. If you have a Republican majority, Dow's up 7.9%, just a, right about the same, higher a little bit more likely, almost up about 80% of the time. Uh, but, you know, we talk about gridlock is good, but then you see some of these, when you have more extreme times, uh, the returns are okay. But one thing we share on the YouTube channel right now, there's a chart that we shared on lplresearch.com where we took a look at kind of some of the previous returns that we found um, when you have a Democratic sweep. And sure enough, up about, since we went to the 1950, um, S&P up over 9% on average, so right about your average year, really. Median 12, uh, nice median return, and then higher about 80% of the time. Um, Jeff, so keeping it along the lines of investments, I know we talked about this, and again, this week's weekly market commentary. Talk to me a little bit about growth and value, because again, last year, if you listen to this podcast at all, we said we liked growth. Growth had a really amazing year. Last year, it started to see some changes. And now with what we're talking about, maybe even more changes coming on the growth value spectrum. What do you see here, especially focusing on, again, what just happened with Georgia? Yeah, certainly uh, the outcome in Georgia moves us closer to balanced growth value or potentially even um, uh, a little bit of a preference for value. You know, value tends to do well when economic growth accelerates 
and the yield curve steepens, interest rates rise, you know, the yield curve being the difference between short-term rates and long-term rates. And that's what we're seeing, right? The Fed is anchoring short-term rates essentially at zero. And um, you know, because of you know, increasing expectations for economic growth and inflation, uh, the 10-year yield is moving uh, pretty significantly higher uh, when you consider where it's come from. So uh, that should be good for um, financials. More growth should all else equal uh, be good for energy. Those are the two biggest uh, value sectors, potentially uh, industrials and materials as well. What you've heard as the reopening theme or the reflation theme, right? So these are all value sectors. Now, the, the, the issue though, what caused us to take a little bit of a pause is um, you know the pandemic's not over. The COVID numbers are still way too high and um, we might get more restrictions in the near term. Uh, these restrictions that are on now are probably gonna be with us for a little bit longer. So we would say uh, there'll be a little bit of a back and forth on growth value. I mean, frankly, growth did pretty well last week, right? The NASDAQ led last yes, week. It mm -hmm. So um, yeah. it is not clear cut just yet, but we think we are moving into an environment that's more um, uh, friendly for, for value here clearly. Yeah, first of all, I, mean, I agree with everything you just said. We're gonna talk a little bit more about yields and value here quite, or at least yields and the dollar uh, quite soon. But let's not forget four years ago when President Trump won, all right, we saw the initial surge, financials, the yield curve spiked. Um, a lot of the things we're kind of talking about right now were what we said four years ago. We said, oh, by the way, President Trump doesn't like big cap tech, right? He's gonna go after big cap tech. Tech's not gonna do well. Well, tech did awesome for four years. So I'm not minimizing <laughs> what we're talking about here. I'll just say sometimes when it's totally obvious and everyone's talking about it, maybe you just need to be aware of that. And I think that's where it makes sense to kind of be a little more even weight, um, however you do it on the growth value spectrum. Before there's some good, um, good arguments either way. So now we're gonna talk about the 10 year yield, Jeff, and you kind of hinted at it. Again, we're sharing the chart now on our YouTube channel, but 10 year yields had the massive drop. They're up over 2%, um, you know, this time about a year ago, give or take. And then they dropped all the way down to, you know, under 40 basis points on the 10 year yield. And it's slowly come back. And obviously on the um, news of Georgia with likely more stimulus, yields have gone higher. I mean, Jeff, from a real simplistic point of view for the average listener out there, Let's say the ten year, so ten year yields up over one percent right now. Let's say this is just in theory goes up to one fifty. You know, six months from now, what are some groups that'll do well? You know, if if yields continue to kind of trickle higher here. Yeah, you, you got to start with financials, right? The most <clears throat> interest rate sensitive in terms of their business. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they can borrow short, and lend long, and if long rates are higher and short rates are shorter, they have higher margins. So um, I think that's where you start. And we've seen financials do really well the past few months. This rate environment, I think, is the big reason why. Uh, you know, and regulations, sure, they matter. But the cycle, the business cycle, how companies are doing, the credit environment and the rate environment matter much more for financials than just, right. um, you know, a little bit of tougher um, regulatory environment. Um, you know, it might surprise people. Tech historically has done pretty well as interest rates have risen because that reflects uh, improving economic growth prospects. Uh, so we would expect tech to do just fine as rates rise. Now, if rates go too much higher, that could affect stock valuations. And what's most expensive right now? Well, it's certainly, you know, tech, internet, um, and, and that sort of, you know, e-commerce, those sorts of groups. So, you know, that's a watch out, but probably doesn't matter here. Uh, until yields move 
uh, meaningfully higher from where they are. And then the other side is uh, the dividend paying sectors probably lagged, they lagged last week. Um, if rates rise, that makes those dividends a little bit less attractive. So I'm talking about you know, utilities and, and real estate and things like that, consumer staples. If you can get competitive yields in bonds, which are obviously you know, tend to be more conservative, um, maybe investors don't take the risks in, in those stocks. Yeah, you know, another thing that was a reason for some of the large cap and tech names that really sold off, at least uh, initially on some of the news out of Washington, was worry about cap gains, right? We could be seeing, we mentioned higher taxes, we could see higher, high, see higher capital gains as well. So you think mm, maybe some of the stocks are up the most over the past you know, 10 years or so. Could be some areas that people sell. So just kind of something else to think about. But I, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, yields have gone down. <laughs> you could say for 40 years, but I'm just gonna say more specifically here for the last several years. And what have we seen, right? We've seen the large cap tech continue to dominate. So maybe we're getting more to a more normal world where yields can start to trickle higher, which again, as we talked about in our 2021 outlook, we think you know the 10 year yield absolutely can start to trickle higher. I've said before with the action I'm seeing in copper, nickel, I mean, lumber was like the top performing commodity last year. Some of these commodities are saying, be open to the fact that yields very well could go higher and it does say, hey, maybe small caps, maybe emerging markets. Pretty much anything's gotten beaten up the last 10 years or so. If the yields have to go higher, maybe the door opens to a lot of those areas. And Jeff, you mentioned financials doing well lately. 100% true, obviously. Um, at the same time, if you just look at like the S&P financial index, virtually gone nowhere for 13 years, right? Financials are where they were trading 13 years ago. So if someone's listening to this, they go, oh, you know, banks, financials, some of these groups have had a big move the last three, four months, give or take. There's truth to that, but on a bigger perspective, I mean, there is really some potential uh, to go there. And we still like, um, let's talk about the dollar, Jeff. I mean, you know, we, we think we've been dollar bears for a while, if you listen to us. Um, we think that lo lower trending dollar, some of the policies that Joe Biden has, higher taxes uh, specifically can potentially continue to pressure the dollar, more spending, continue to pressure the dollar lower. Historically, a weak-ish U.S. dollar has benefited some of those large multinationals, but also emerging markets, really any, any other, any, any, um, any foreign markets for that matter with a weak dollar, but we think emerging markets might be one of the best areas to um, to do well with that, with that policy. So let's see, what else did we have here? Yield curve, muni bonds, Jeff, but let's go to muni bonds and we're gonna move forward. Cause I know we always, we talk a lot, we're with stock guys. We talk about stocks a lot, but we spend a good time on the yield curve. Let's talk about muni bonds. Why, um, we talk about this in our weekly market commentary. Why can what happened in Georgia maybe benefit that particular group? Yeah, well, one reason is if you get tax increases then the tax benefit of munis is worth more. So yep. that could um, make them more attractive. The other reason is we'll probably get more funding for state and local governments. Um, the, um, you know, this next stimulus package is probably going to include some of that. Maybe not a ton, maybe not as, met, as much as people um, want, but uh, certainly some. And so um, that incremental strengthening of uh, state and local um, finances should be positive for munis as well. Yeah, you know, and one of the interesting things back in March and April, we talked about, you know, state and local governments, how much trouble they probably were going to be in. Um, rightfully so, that's what we all expected back in March and April. And you look back and they, they didn't do nearly as poorly. And, and there were some reports over the past week or so that said, you know, they laid off a lot of people, right? A lot of people working in the cafeterias, a lot of, a lot of bus drivers, a lot of people that, that did things that, you know, in a, in a, in a unique way, didn't hurt those, uh, those groups quite as much, but still, um, you know, 
we need, there's a lot of help that's coming for those people that have been impacted by that. But I thought that was interesting uh, that, that the, the, the municipalities were not quite as impacted as much as we feared back in March and April um, for, for some of those reasons. But Jeff, tonight is Monday, or today is Monday. Tonight there's a big game. <laughs> Ohio State plays Alabama, as I've mentioned once or twice. I am an Ohio boy, grew up in Springfield, Ohio, which is about 45 minutes to the west of Columbus, right on I-70. And I did not go to Ohio State. I went to Xavier University down in Cincinnati. So I like Xavier for basketball, and you have to like Ohio State for football or something just wrong with you if you grew up in Ohio. Um, you know, let's, let's make a prediction here. I'll go first because I'll, I'll set the tempo. I, I'm going to say Ohio State's going to win. Everyone, No one's given Ohio State any credit. You know, Alabama's amazing. Don't get me wrong. Um, but at the same time, you know, Ohio State, Bama just played Notre Dame. They beat them pretty good. Clemson played Notre Dame, beat them even worse. And we all saw what Ohio State did to, did to Clemson, um, you know, a week and a half ago or so. So maybe I'm a homer. I'll say Ohio State 42 to 35. You want to give a prediction here, Jeff, to uh, who might win on Monday night's uh, national championship game? Oh, sure. I'll take Ohio State, too. I'm a Big Ten graduate, so got to favor the Big Ten. We'll say 31-28. Uh, Ohio State, they they went in the last second. Um, uh, if they win in the last second. I'm gonna be up. I'm gonna be up all night not sleeping. So that's uh, that's okay. I already told my kids. You know, they said, "Dad, we want to watch the game," and I'm like, "Yeah, I don't blame you." So we had a talk with mom. I said, "Listen, Ohio State. They, it's not they make the national championship every year. You know, this is a once a decade type of thing. So we're gonna let the boys stay up a little late. Maybe even go to school a little bit late. Hey, you know, it's all right. It's they're in a national championship game. Some things are, you're gonna remember that a lot more than going to school late one day. So anyway, Jeff, I'm looking at the timer here. We've only got a couple of minutes left. We're gonna finish things up with taking a look at the economic data. Specifically on Friday, uh, the jobs number came in uh, lower than expected. And I got it here in front of me somewhere and I, I should have it. Do you remember exactly where the jobs number came in, Jeff? I've I'm going to start yeah, moving papers around. Loss of 140. Here we go. I've got it now. Dropped 140,000. Expected anywhere between up 50 to 100. A lot of the recent economic data we've seen on the employment picture has been weak. The one that got us all when we saw it, leisure and hospitality down nearly 500,000. Not super surprising with COVID continuing to dominate and more restrictions being put in play, but still that was eye-opening. We see a half million people in leisure and hospitality losing their jobs. Fortunately, construction manufacturing both came in pretty good and 121,000 jobs were created in retail. Again, I guess you could say that plays with the calendar with the holiday season. Um, but Jeff, we're showing the chart here. We've seen, oh gee, what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. This is like eight months in a row now where jobs have actually decreased month over month every single time since the massive jump in June. Um, what's your take? Is this trend going to continue, unfortunately? Uh, only in the very short term. You know, the um, in, until the COVID situation gets better, it's going to be tough to create jobs, especially in leisure and hospitality during the cold winter months. But after the vaccine rollout picks up some speed, you know, if you look out three, four months, um, we should start to see a better uh, job picture. And then remember, you know, since we're likely to get more stimulus, that strengthens the bridge to get through this period. So we don't think the market's going to be too worried about, uh, you know, a few soft months of, of, of job, uh, job gains or job losses. Uh, it's really still about uh, the reopening, which it appears is, is coming fairly soon. 
Uh, absolutely. So, yeah, Jeff, I do think we've hit the end of the road. Thank you to everyone who continues to listen to this podcast and watch it on YouTube. Uh, please give us a like, give us a follow. Uh, we appreciate it. If you go to iTunes, please give us a positive comment and a review with uh, the actual text that really goes a long way for people that are listening to uh, this podcast to help it grow. So it means a lot to us. And with all of that, I guess I'll say go Bucks. You know, I'm an Ohio boy, so I kind of have to. And then, um, you know, everyone have a great, uh, great week. We'll be back next week to talk about how right we were with our Buckeye predictions. <laughs> Let's hope we were. And uh, with that, Jeff, thanks as always. Uh, thank you to Neil who helps us uh, make this as well. We'll see everybody next week. Take care. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial. It's for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, Please note, LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.